Tere, and welcome to History of Estonia podcast. In last episode, we were covering the legend of Vana Thomas, the faithful defender of Tallinn. When we left the story, Thomas and a large group of Tallinners attacked the Russian battery towers that were bombarding Tallinn. When the signal to return to Tallinn came, Thomas bravely ignored the order in the hope of returning to Tallinn with a Russian captive. Seemingly out of nowhere, additional enemy troops blocked Thomas and the townspeople's retreat. The Russians had been hiding in the tunnels under the walls of Tallinn until the time was right to destroy the group of townspeople that had run ahead of the others. The townspeople ahead of Thomas also heard the noise and realized their situation was difficult and they were surrounded by the enemy. Thomas saw that there was no way for him to help the townspeople and survive. The Russians' attention was on the main group of Talliners in front of him. Soon, the Russians had this group surrounded, and they closed in, blocking their escape. Some Talliners managed to kill several of the enemy and tried to escape, but more enemy had waited for them and blocked their path. Thomas decided to use cunning to survive, and he fell to the ground as though he had been hit by an arrow. He lay on the ground as close as he could to the snow, which was beginning to melt in the March sun, keeping the crossbow ready in case he needed it. An enemy soldier, who probably thought that Thomas's fall looked suspicious, approached Thomas with his gun ready. Fortunately, Thomas saw him in time, and soon after, the man fell hit by an arrow before he could release the awkward trigger of his gun. It was too dangerous to remain on the ground, even though there were no soldiers in sight. It also seemed futile to return to the city. Thomas looked around to get his location. On his left was the cattle gate. This was his childhood playground, and he knew it well, which meant there was an underground tunnel near that was partially collapsed. Possibly the enemy hadn't found it yet. If that were the case, Thomas would be able to hide there in safety. Thomas crawled slowly forward, pulling himself with his elbows. He first crawled towards the enemy he had killed with a bow to see if he could scavenge anything useful. He took the gun from the body. Guns were a rarity to regular soldiers. Only a few noblemen in Tallinn owned one. From the fine clothing of the dead Russian, it seemed he was not an ordinary soldier. Thomas also took a dagger and horn full of gunpowder from the enemy soldier's belt. Then Thomas started to move in the direction of where the passage to the tunnel should have been. His elbows fell deep into the thawing snow. Thomas recalled that there was an old oak tree near the passage. He thought to himself, The oak is there. That means I have to keep to the right. The entrance had to be close by. There was a good chance that the Russians hadn't found the tunnel, as the area appeared deserted. But where was the entrance? Thomas raised his head to look about. Could have been wrong about the location? He saw no sign of an entrance. However, he was almost on top of the passage, but couldn't see it at first. The hole was so narrow that only a small boy could fit inside. 
That could be fixed, he thought, and started to dig with a dagger to widen the entrance. When he thought it was wide enough to fit inside, he took off his chain mail, staying as close to the ground as possible, and slid into the passage legs first, leaving torn bits of fabric from his coat on the sharp stones as his feet landed into the water. He had to stay there until it got dark. First, he tried to make things more comfortable. He gathered some large stones and stood on top to keep his feet dry. Nevertheless, he soon got cold in his drenched clothes. In order to warm himself, he decided to move out and examine the cave. He bent down and moved forward into the passage, groping around the walls. The only light he had to guide him was the fair glimmer from the entrance. The flintstone and tinder he had with him were of no use anymore, as they had become damp. He had remembered that the passage was quite short, but in the darkness it seemed to go on for an eternity. Finally, even the smallest glimpse of light had disappeared. Thomas ran into a wall. Judging by the passage's direction, it probably led straight to the enemy's battery towers on Tunismai Hill. One battery tower that the Tolliners had destroyed was to the right of where he was, but the other one might be nearby. This discovery made Thomas think that if he kept digging towards the surface, he might be able to create another exit. By doing so, he might be able to get very close to the enemy without them noticing him. In addition, digging would also keep him warm, which was vital to this situation. The task at hand was far from easy. He had to start right now. Thomas forced the dagger into a lump of soil. It was not easy to dig with a dagger. The real hardships, however, lay ahead because the dagger suddenly broke. Thomas thought that a stone had caused this, but it turned out they had reached the frozen layer of soil. This discovery caused new difficulties but also gave Thomas hope that the surface might not be far away, because this year's winter had not been very cold, which meant that the frozen layer was not that thick. Thomas kept on working with the broken dagger, using iron arrows to help with the digging. Meanwhile, Thomas's hands grew tired. He took a break to grope his way back to the entrance of the passage. It was getting dark outside. In the silence of the night, he heard the pounding of a hammer and the sound of people talking in the distance. He cautiously poked his head out of the hole and noticed there was movement on the battery tower that had been attacked by the townspeople earlier in the day. The Russians were feverishly repairing their battery tower. Having assessed the situation, Thomas returned to dig. He was on the verge of collapsing with exhaustion when clumps of soil and wet snow suddenly fell on top of him and he collapsed under the weight. After having wiped the soil and snow off, Thomas stood up. All of his exhaustion and despair had finally disappeared. He could hear voices and noises from the distance. Thomas stepped on the heap of soil and looked out of the hole. It was dark. He could clearly distinguish the outline of a large battery tower about a few dozen yards away. The Russians were moving about near the battery tower by torchlight. 
which enabled Thomas to observe what they were doing. They used pulleys to hoist heavy iron and stone cannonballs up to the top deck of the battery tower, where they had positioned cannons. The Russians had used up all their ammunition during the day, and now they were restocking with new cannonballs, which had probably been made up in a hurry. He had heard from the prisoners that 20 blacksmiths were making cannonballs night and day in the Russian camp. The Russians were probably planning on bombarding the city during the night and were making the last preparations for the attack. Thomas wanted to disrupt their plan, but how? The long-awaited-for darkness had finally arrived. The time to act was now. Thomas had a gun and nine arrows left. It would be nice to shoot them at the Russians on the battery tower with the crossbow. That would definitely cause a great deal of confusion, but it would also cause more alert, and they would be on their guard, and it really wouldn't do much damage. Thomas set great hope on the horn, which was filled with gunpowder. If he could place it between the logs, supporting the stronghold, and ignite the gunpowder, the whole stronghold would soon be in flames. People were constantly moving about the battery tower. Should he approach the enemy now, or wait until the area surrounding the tower had calmed down? That might not even happen tonight. Thomas's advantage was that the Russians had no idea that one of the enemy was so close. One could tell from their behavior that they were not concerned about that. In the dark, he may have even been able to move around among them without noticing his unfamiliar clothing. Suddenly, Thomas remembered how miserable he looked. His coat was torn, and he was covered in mud. He might stand out even in dim torchlight. Thomas thought it would be wise to wait until the cannons on the battery tower began their nightly bombardment of the city. After the gunpowder explosion, the surroundings were usually shrouded in a thick, bitter smoke that made everybody's eyes water and robbed them of their sight for several minutes. That was the moment Thomas would make his move. The cannonballs had already been hoisted onto the battery tower, but the men at the cannons seemed to be waiting for something. Thomas concluded from their raised voices that the artillerymen were not in a good mood. They were probably waiting for the order to start firing. As far as Thomas could see, they had not yet loaded the cannons. The sound of horses neighing could be heard in the distance, and the men on the battery tower began to move about. The men were given an order that Thomas didn't understand, and the men with torches began gathering on the left side of the tower. A cart with four horses appeared in the darkness. It stopped at the foot of the tower. Thomas understood from the sound of the clinking chains that something was being lowered from the tower. What was on the mysterious cart? Was it a new batch of iron cannonballs? No, it seemed that the cart contained something more valuable, as everyone in the vicinity of the cart seemed anxious. Suddenly, Thomas realized, wow, it was gunpowder. A new load of gunpowder had arrived. That is why all the torchbearers had been sent to the left to make sure that the wind from the right would not blow sparks towards the gunpowder. The anxiety among the artillerymen was caused by the delay in the arrival of the gunpowder. After seeing all this, Thomas knew that the time had come.
he climbed out of the passageway through his recently dug hole, put the bow on his back, and took the gun, which he had carefully held to avoid humidity, into his hand. Thomas built his plan around the gun, the gun that one of his enemy had wanted to kill him with. Under cover of darkness, Thomas managed to sneak so close to the battery tower that he could clearly see what was being done by torchlight near the battery tower. The gunpowder was being transported from a large vessel on the cart to a smaller vessel that had been lowered from the battery tower. The contents of the cart were probably meant to be divided between several towers. Thomas had a plan. He wanted to shoot the gunpowder vessel with his gun. If he succeeded, the fate of the whole battery tower would be determined. The vessel would explode and enormous flames would engulf the battery tower. Would he succeed? The powder in the gun might have become moist, despite his attempts to avoid that, and the powder might not ignite. There was no use speculating. Trying the plan was the only way to find out. Thomas raised his gun and aimed. As the target was huge, there was no chance of him missing it. Only the Russians who were bustling around were obstructing his target. If... Boom! There was a loud blast. Thomas felt the ground beneath him slip away. Everything went black, and he lost consciousness. After the soldiers had returned and the gates were closed, there was a general mood of confusion in Tallinn. The city's attackers had managed to take many prisoners, but they also lost 29 brave soldiers. Among them, Commander Klaus Holste had died and Captain Michael Zalpe had been imprisoned. Ivo Schenkenberg, the head of the peasant unit, had barely made it back, having been forced to surrender his prisoner. Thomas was also considered to be dead, because people had been seen him running towards the enemy troops after the horn had been blown. None of the townspeople who had been fighting further away from the city had returned. The prisoners revealed during their interrogation that the Tolliners had no reason to rejoice. They found out that the Russians had given up digging the tunnels underneath the city walls because the water that collected there and the limestone layers had made the digging difficult. The Russians had been unpleasantly surprised by the perseverance of the people of Tallinn. The Tsar had told them to end the siege, but the commanders had managed to get a short extension because there was still hope to succeed. The guards on Tallinn's city walls felt hopeful that night when they heard a muffled bang come from Tunismai Hill and saw a bright flame shooting towards the sky. One of the Tunismai battery towers was on fire. People thought that the Russians had set the fire to their own tower and talk of how the Russians were going to retreat during the night and leave the vicinity of Tallinn spread quickly. The Tallinn artillery unit would gladly have sent some final cannonballs their way, but as they were low on ammunition, they decided against it. Furthermore, people soon realized that talk of the enemy retreat might have been premature, and none of the other battery towers had been set on fire. While the soldiers were discussing what had happened at the enemy battery tower, one of the guards on the cattle gate tower noticed suspicious movement in front of the city wall. 
He told another guard about it. He also saw what seemed to be someone approaching the city. The moon was concealed by clouds, so they could not see far. They noticed the guards in their vicinity, and the soldiers readied their bows so as not to be surprised by an enemy attack. No one could clearly distinguish the two figures approaching the city. The moment of anxiety came to an end. The figures were within hearing distance now, and the guard from the tower called to them, Come no closer, you two. The people outside replied calmly, We couldn't even if we wanted to, because there's a trench filled full of water in front of us. Lower the drawbridge. I'll be damned if that voice isn't familiar, said one surprised guard. Good grief! It's the voice of our Thomas! The guard shouted in unison, Thomas, is that you? Yes, it's me. But please hurry. My friends, it's no fun just standing here. Orders were given and the drawbridge was lowered. The chains creaked and Thomas was soon within the protected walls of the city. Thomas was bombarded with questions, but he just gave up and said, First, take the prisoner to a safe location. A smile appeared on Thomas's weary face as he gestured with the gun and added, Sometimes you can keep a strong man in place with an empty gun. Look at him. He walked in front of me all the way from the enemy battery tower, and all I had to do to motivate him was to poke him with the gun from time to time. The guards shone their torches on Thomas and the prisoner. Seeing Thomas's face, which was black from gunpowder smoke and mud, they could not help but laugh. You look like you went to hell and back, someone said. It was hell. It cannot be hotter than it was near the burning battery tower. Thomas pointed to Tunismai, where, where the flames were still shooting towards the sky. Thomas was carried home, and his mother's caring hands made a bed for him. He fell asleep instantly, and he slept until the morning after next, like a dead person. Only then did he briefly tell the story of his heroic deeds. How had he managed to escape from the burning battery tower and return to the city? After he regained consciousness, Thomas found that he had been thrown clear of the tower by the powerful blast. Everything around him was burning brightly. The battery tower is on fire, was the first thought, and this filled him with joy. He could hear the screams of the enemy among the crackling of the flames. It seemed that the Russians had been overcome by an indescribable panic. They probably presumed that there would be an attack from behind them, and they were trying to escape. Thomas quickly rose. No one noticed him. He was looking for the gun that was no longer holding, and found it in the light of the fire, quite far from where he was standing. Even though he knew that the empty gun was of no use as a weapon, he decided to pick up the gun that had helped him and head off towards the city. No one noticed Thomas. Several Russians ran past him because everyone presumed that the enemy was further away. All of a sudden, Thomas remembered the order to take as many prisoners as possible that had been issued to the soldiers that morning. He had not been successful, but it was not yet too late. Russians were still passing by him. Thomas lay in ambush in the dark. He remembered 
how he had seen Ivo Schenkenberg imprison a Russian who had been taller than him. A hefty Russian appeared from the dark. Thomas jumped out, blocked his way, and pressed the empty gun into the man's chest. The Russian froze in surprise. Thomas did not give them time to recover, and turned towards Tallinn and checked that the man understood where they were going. As Thomas raised his gun to threaten the prisoner, the Russian had no choice but to start moving towards Tallinn, looking distrustfully over his shoulder. Thomas's greatest concern was to lead the prisoner to Tallinn without encountering any other Russians. Every time Thomas saw someone approaching, he pushed the gun into the prisoner's back. The prisoner understood the situation and remained quiet until they had reached the city gates. Thomas's bravery was rewarded with an amount of money far greater than what a mercenary would usually expect, and he was unanimously chosen to be the soldier's flag bearer because of the previous one had died in battle. This was a great honor for Thomas because the man who carried the flag was usually considered to be the bravest in the group. Every time Thomas was seen holding the flag up high in front of the soldiers in military parades, the mothers and fathers pointed to Thomas and told their children, Look, the man with the flag is Thomas, who hit the parrot with the first shot and single-handedly destroyed an enemy battery tower during the siege. Old Thomas, or Vana Thomas, is that not a noteworthy name for the soldier atop the tower? Everyone agreed that it was indeed. Soon, no one doubted that the warrior atop the tower was indeed none other than Old Thomas, and that he had been put there by the city council as a sign of their gratitude. Several hundred years passed, and the people who had known the story of Old Thomas were dead, but the figure atop the tower retained the name Old Thomas. When the tower was later repaired, and the figure of the soldier was restored, the official wrote down in the register that the flag of Old Thomas had been restored and the figure had been gilded. Today, Thomas's golden coat has turned gray from the wind and storms he has had to endure, but it may just be that his current appearance, modest but standing firmly in place, bears an even closer resemblance to Thomas the soldier who lived several hundred years ago and fought for this town. Loop, or in English, the end. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share it with someone you think might enjoy this legend. My grand wish is that someone someday may listen to this episode and retell the story of Anna Thomas, or Old Thomas, to someone that they are introducing to Tallinn. After all, these stories have been told and retold since the 16th century, and they belong to everyone to enjoy and fantasize about. If you would like to reach out, you can catch me at History of Estonia's Facebook page, or you can email me at sparsleyw at gmail.com. So until next time, nagamiseni.